I told him, I said, you're, you're helping, you know, bring up the atmosphere, right? Is that what this is all about? Good deal, good deal, good deal. Good to have Tyler with us, uh, with the blues, awesome, glad you're here. You're not singing the blues, you're just with the blues, right? Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, Lind- Linda- Lindell, good to have Linda with us, and the Barber family, good to have you guys. Um, we, we had a great time this week. Uh, I feel like, how many of you ever seen the movie National Treasure? National Treasure. I mean, it's a really cool movie. Um, it's it's actually one of my favorites, you know, just to, to watch and see all the different things going on. Uh, sadly, as some people look at that and they learn their history lessons from that, and it's not quite completely true, right? So when I was standing in front of the Trinity Church this past you know, week, I was thinking, if I could just go into the back of this church, I would knock out a grave, I would go find the treasure. I mean, you know, just one room would be cool. But anyway, uh, you know, it wasn't really till the end of the trip that we re- that I realized that we actually were in all four cities that that movie was based on. You know, when it was in Philadelphia, we were in New York and Boston, and then in Washington D.C. and we walked our legs off. It was wonderful. They're, I'm realizing that uh, the younger ones are actually the older ones in our family. What I didn't want to tell them is that as we were walking, I was feeling the same way. About the 12th mile of the fourth day, my feet were killing me all the way from the bottom of my feet to the upper knees, and I was thinking, if I say a word, these kids will drop out on me i got to be strong. i got to keep going. I can't tell them that I'm hurting too. <laughs> I was so thankful for the miraculous moment when we got to the Library of Congress. I was thinking, finally we're here. So, you know, being the strong person that was trying to not let them know that I was in excruciating pain, I ran up the stairs like, yes, I've made it. And I got to the, about almost to the top of the stairs, and my hip popped out. I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, oh God, oh, God, oh, help. And I get to the top of the sta- stairs and grimacing, smiling, we made it. <sighs> hey, guys, would you like to take a taxi home? <laughs> yeah. Of course, to get in the taxi, anybody want to walk? No, nobody. But it was um, it was a, a fun trip. You know, Wesley. Our total goal in this process was for Wesley to visit a few universities, and we got to see some of those, and that was pretty cool. Um, it's amazing, right? To think of all. I mean, look, you you get so overwhelmed by the sites that are there. It's easy to get lost in so much, right? And so we really had to get focused of what we wanted to see, what we wanted to do. And, and how many know that our Christian lives are that way too? There's so much. I mean, if you were wanting to be a better Christian, if you were looking for uh, materials to help you grow and learn, there is so much. There are so many books written, so many uh, podcasts that you can listen to, so many uh, preachers preaching you, that you have right at the fing- your fingertips to be able to grasp a hold of. And, and it's amazing what's all available. But yet, in the same sense, 
there's really just one thing that, that we need to grasp a hold of. There's really just one focus that we need to have because all of that is really uh, just fringes and frills because there's just one thing that we need. And, and guess what? Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. All of the beautiful things that, that we read and all of the things that we see are, are great uh, door hangers and great things to decorate, but reality is, is everybody needs Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 6. As you're turning to Deuteronomy chapter 6, I want to mention, uh, you've probably seen the tree in the back and you're thinking, what is the Christmas tree doing up already? And, um, and as many of you know, uh, we do um, OCC, uh, Operation Christmas Child, and uh, it is one of our missions projects. We actually send, this year we'll be sending out 550 shoeboxes uh, around the world to children in need to bless some people. Isn't that awesome? And so I'm super excited to see all of us get involved. Just think about this. If every card uh, or envelope was met on that Christmas tree, in other words, there's, there's envelopes of different levels of funds that can be donated towards this project, but if every card was met, then every bit of the finances would be needed, the, uh, every bit of the finances would be met to send every box out. Isn't that awesome? So if you'd like to participate in helping uh, reach our goal to get uh, these boxes to children around the world, then if you'd like to grab one of those envelopes to uh, meet that specific need. And like I said, there's different levels. Uh, you know your abilities, and I would love to see us be able to fully uh, fund that ministry. Amen? Amen. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your uh, soul, and with all of your might or strength. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them on, as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a, a as frontals on your forehead you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates amen powerful powerful to think that you know we want to meet every need right I mean, that is our goal. We realize, that, uh, we realize that the Word of God supersedes culture. And so therefore, it's not necessarily culture that, that we try to entertain. But at the same time, we understand that we've got to meet people where they are, right? And so, you know, I get that. I get the fact that we need to be culturally relevant in today's world where people's needs are being met. Even their perceived needs are being met. We, we also need to be generational. How many understand that every generation has its own sound? Every generation has its own ideas of how to accomplish tasks. And so we as a church uh, want to make sure that we are doing our best to meet every generational need. We have a senior adult choir that just blew it away last week. It was phenomenal, right? And yesterday, uh, our senior adults went, and they had an awesome time at Douglas Lake, right? How many of you guys went to that? Did you have a good time? Froze to death, what I heard. 
had a great time. I mean, and we, we do all different. We try to reach every generation. We want everyone to feel welcome and everyone to feel at home. And, and all those are great things. We want to be culturally relevant. When somebody goes into a, a house and they're trying to sell a house, you know, how many, how many ever bought a house to, to flip? None of you. Oh, somebody. One. How many of you ever wanted to sell your house, right? And your house was like built in the 60s and it still had the puke yellow, you know, commode and bathtub and, and then the, 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 the green, you know, y'all know, y'all know what I'm talking about, that green, right? And you know what's crazy is, is that's coming back. What in the world? But, and, and you want to sell your house, but you know that the only way to sell your house is to make it culturally modern relevant right you got to get rid of those old metal uh, tops or the old laminate you know spot with sparkles and brown swirls and you know what i'm talking about about. and you got to put like granite or at least fake granite or something in there these days to make it look more modern and so we look we want to we want to modernize things we want to do those all those wonderful frills and thrills to meet today's world to hit head on the culture of today to make us look relevant but ultimately you can do all of that but if you miss the mark that the gospel that Jesus Christ is the focal point of everything that we do he's the only way he's the only truth he's the only life then you've missed everything else amen all that's beautiful, but Jesus has to come into focus. He has to come into that main way. I mean, I look at Mark chapter 10, and I see uh, where the rich young ruler, here he comes, and he, he comes to Jesus, and he calls him good teacher. And Jesus says, wait a minute, you know, good teacher, there's only one good, and that's, that's God, right? He says, well, you know, have you done these things? And he, he lists off some of the uh, he, he, he understand he didn't list off all of the Ten Commandments, but he lists off some of the commandments. You know, love your mother and father. You know, don't covet. Uh, don't murder. And he lists all these things. And the rich young ruler was like, yes, I've done those things. We're good. Woohoo! Right? And, 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 and Jesus said, look, you're missing the point. There's one thing you lack. How many, how many hate to lack something? You get in the middle of a project and you're like, I forgot that one thing, right? And, and, and here Jesus is looking and, and, and looking at this guy and said, look, you're missing the point. There's one thing you lack. And, and what really just really jumped out at me is the fact that, look, first of all, he understood by calling Jesus good that he was declaring something over Jesus. Jesus said, look, there's only one good, and that's God. So you're declaring, what you're declaring is, look, you're declaring that I'm God. And if I'm God, then you're missing the point. You're missing the one thing. Yes, you're good with everybody else. You're good with all the culture around you. You're good with all the people around you. But you're missing the point. There's, there's some other commandments that you've got to obey. And, and that is that you should have no other gods before me, right? That you should not take my name in vain. That, come on, right? And so he, was, he understood that he was missing the point. The guy went away sad because he got part of the answer right, but he missed the one point. He missed the focus. Let me tell you something, guys. We need to make sure that our focus is correct. We can have all of these frills and thrills. We can 
we can do our best to be culturally relevant, but if we do not have Jesus as the number one in the, in the key center of everything we do, then we miss it. I think of Luke chapter 10. And, and here in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is visiting Mary and Martha, right? And Martha is so busy, she wants to make sure the house is clean, right? Jesus is coming, they've got to make sure the house is clean. How many of you ever had guests, right? Man, I get in super big trouble when I invite somebody to the house and I don't tell Kim first. You got who coming to the house? And when are they coming? Uh, babe, sorry. I'll help clean. <laughs> but Martha was super busy. And, and, and the thing is, is that she was doing a good thing, right? I mean, how many of you want to make sure that your guests feel comfortable in your home? You want to make sure that your house is prepared? It's a good thing. And, and, and so here Martha's getting on to Mary. Look, look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm out here keeping my house straight. I'm doing all the work, and you're just sitting there doing nothing. And I love the way that the NIV puts this. It says, it says it this way. But one thing you needed, and Mary has chosen what is better the fact is is that it's not that what martha was doing was bad it was a good thing but there's something better how many want to know that you can grasp a hold of something better and that sitting at jesus's feet spending some time with the savior basking in his presence resting at his feet is a great thing and we need to make sure that we're having that type of focus, that we are spending time with Jesus, that we're allowing him to pour into us, that we are allowing him to be God in our life, that we allow him the first place and not the second place, the first place and not the last place, that we're giving him the first fruits and not the leftovers because he is the focus point of everything we do. Amen. Amen. David said it in Psalms 27. He talked about the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my, whom shall I be afraid? And, and he goes on in verse 4. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, and that is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty, to spend time in the temple. I don't know about you, but what a glorious thing to spend time with the Master." understanding that he is the way the truth and the life there's no other way to get to Je there's no other way to get to the father but through jesus christ he says i'm the way now we truly believe that the word of god is infallible right we believe that every word written on the page was inspired by god it was it was god breathed and so therefore if it's god breathed then we can take it to the bank if you will we can hold on to it we can know that it's truth it's life and if we believe that, then we can take every word and follow that page. We can know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, according to John 14. In other words, he's the only way. I'm not trying to be biased. I'm not trying to be uh, uh, exclusive. But the fact is, is that it's not that I don't love everybody, but look, there is only one way. I mean, I appreciate and love the fact that there are people devoted to a faith. But let me tell you something. It's not 
a faith that gets us through. It is a Jesus who gets us through. Amen? Look, it's not your prayer that heals people. It's prayer that heals this. No, it is Jesus who heals. You can have faith. You can have faith in, in, in in an altar. You can have faith in a person. You can have faith in a job. You can have faith in your bank account. But it will not see you through. It is only Jesus Christ who delivers. It is only Jesus Christ who died on the cross of Calvary so that we can be whole. It is only Jesus Christ whose blood was shed on Calvary that heals, that that delivers, that sets us free. It is the object of our faith that transforms and we need to understand what our focus is about. It's not on how good you do something. It's not on how well you perform. It's not on anything that pertains to you. It is only Jesus, the way, truth, and life. Our focus has to be on Christ, the solid rock I stand. And all, everything else fails. Everything else falls aside. It is only Jesus. I'm about ready to preach here in a minute. <laughs> Woo! Jesus. Amen? So when we recognize, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. It's not many. It's not multiple. It's not Jesus and anything else. Because if you put Jesus with anything else, it becomes an occult. It becomes a byproduct. It becomes a religious activity. It is only Jesus. And so we need to find him as the source of our faith. We need to find him as the source of our truth. He has to be number one in the center of it all. He has to be everything, all in all. No wonder Matthew chapter 6 and 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is set with a king. The Bible says he's the head, right? And if he's the head and we're the body, then we are a part of the kingdom of God. And if we're seeking him, the head of the king, the king of the body, then we are seeking the head first and his righteousness and all of his goodness and all of his glory. When we seek that, all these other things shall be added unto you. Seek first. Believe in him. But the thing is, is that we get so out of focus. We, get, we set so many other things in our path. We look to so many other objects. David said in Psalms 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hear crickets. We have to be careful what we put into this body. We have to be careful of what we allow into the gate of our mind. Understanding that the, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the, if the eye is full of light, then the whole body is full of light. If the eye is full of darkness, then the whole body is full of darkness. Isn't that what the Word of God says? So we need to be careful what we allow to be previewed in our eyes because we, if we're truly wanting to seek the focus, our attention on God himself, then we need to put him as the priority and the single focus of our life. 
But you know, it's not just when I think of focus, I think of finding, finding the source, owning, owning. Now, you know, nine-tenths of, nine of possession is ownership, right? And, and to think that it's not only that we own the fact, because the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and with all of your might or strength. Now, I don't know about you, but do you have anything in your life that you love that completely? Not with part of your mind. Not with part of your strength, not with part of your soul, all. Is there anything that we love so definitely, so purposely, that it is completely an all-in type of love? Because, you know, when you love something that way, you have an ownership of it. I love God because He's my God. I mean, hmm. Y'all get this? I mean, because, Jewel, when you think of it, God loves us with all of his heart, with all of his mind, and with all of his strength. God loves us in such a way that he was willing to give up his very life for us. He was willing to lay it on the line. He was willing to, to give it all, to, to stretch his arms out and say, this is how much I love you. With everything I have, with everything I am, I will put it on the line. I will lay it down because there's no greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. And God loved us that much because he took ownership. He said, you are the workmanship of my hands. Come on, somebody. Before you were twinkling in your mother's eye, I knew you, as we told Jeremiah. And he loves us that much that he was willing to go all in. So therefore, when he says to love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, he's looking for a reciprocal love. Do you love me this much? Do you, are you willing to own this relationship? Are you willing to own this, this type of experience with me? Whew, that's good stuff, right? Wow. I mean, look, Peter... Peter made a declaration, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And a few minutes, a few moments later, he's having to tell Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. You're not getting it. I've got to show them the fullness of my love. You don't understand this yet, but you will. And at the very end, when Peter had denied Jesus, here he stood at the banks and Jesus came to him and says, Peter, do you love me? He said it in three different ways because he wanted, he was trying to build Peter's love up. He wanted Peter to understand, do you agape, do you completely love me with all that you are, with all that you have? Do you love me with your, with your heart, your mind, and your soul? Do you love me with all of your might, Peter? And Peter, disdained in heart, looked at God and says, you know me, Lord. And then he says, he says, I phileos, I brotherly love you. Because he, he understood, I don't know God that I am at that place. I don't know Christ if I am to the place to love you in that way. I just denied you. I, I'm not sure if I even trust myself in this relationship, God. And Jesus once again says, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me to the fullest? 
And finally, Jesus himself looked at Peter and said, Look, I know you're not where, where, where I want you to be, but you're going to get there, son. He says, do you, do you flare? Do you love me with at least a brotherly love? And Peter says, you know all things. And then he surrenders to him. And let me tell you something. That was a transformative moment because it awoke his mind to realize that it's not enough just to, to passively walk in this relationship with God to say, yeah, I love Jesus and continue on doing everything in our life as if Jesus doesn't even exist. Because if he is the focus, if he's the one thing that we need, if he's the, 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 the thing that we long for, if he's the thing that we, that we realize is everything that we have, the way to God, the way to a relationship, the way to eternity is only through Christ. If he is that, then we need to recognize that it can't just be a brotherly, passive, you know, I care about what you think a little bit, Jesus, but, you know, as long as my needs are met and I'm good, then we're good. Right? Hang on, quiet this minute. What's wrong with y'all? But it took an ownership of a relationship with God to fully love because then Peter... I mean, it wasn't just a few days later, and Peter's, you know, said, hey, guys, let's get together. Let's spend some time. Jesus told us to tarry. Let's tarry. He became the leader of the pack. His whole focus, his whole idealism has changed because you recognize this can't be just a little bit, this can't be about me at all. It has to be all about Jesus. And it was, it was Peter who stood in, in, in Acts in front of everybody, and thousands were saved as he proclaimed that Jesus is the only way. It was Peter who, who was crucified and said, I'm not good enough to be crucified like my Savior. I'm going to be crucified upside down because I don't want to even resemble what it looked like because he was such a man. He was the Almighty God. He loved with all of his heart. It goes on in, in the passage of Deuteronomy chapter 6 and, and it talks about letting these things be ascribed on their heart. We understand that in Jewish history they would put phylacteries around their arms and they would put the, the scriptures in, their, in that phylactery so that the words would consistently be with them. They would put them on their forehead. If you go to the, the wall today, the, the eastern wall where they pray, if you go there even today, they are standing there praying. You see phylacteries because they're still recognizing a covenant with God. Let me tell you something. A covenant is not just some contract that we make up because a contract means that, that we're identifying a skill. I'm going to contract you for uh, making, building a house. It's, it's contracting a skill. It's contracting something that you can offer. It's something that you can give. But a covenant was more because it pertained to the whole being. It per pertained to the whole person. And God's looking for someone who's willing to go into a covenant relationship with him because when you find him as the source and you own the fact that he loves you with all of your heart and you love him with all of your heart, then you've been invited into a covenant relationship with God. If, you, if, you, if you're grasping this, I'm, I'm spelling out the word focus. Finding, owning, covenanting. That we make a covenant with God because he's invited us into this relationship 
And let me tell you something. We don't have what it takes to meet all of the needs of this covenant, but God said, if you will covenant with me, I will give you everything you need to fulfill this promise. I'll give you everything you need to fulfill this plan. Do you trust me? Make it sure. I'm not going to forget today. Just to let you know, I'm not going to forget today. Thank you. Finding the source, owning, owning the relationship, covenanting with God himself. But out of that covenant, we under, there's an understanding that we need to have. And that understanding is, is that everything that God does is because he loves you. Everything. This is how you will know that you are my disciple, that you have love one for another. Right? I mean... When you consider what they, what they call God, God is love. And, and, and when you recognize that the motive behind everything that God does, understanding that motive, it's out of love, that God loves you so much, and that, that everything that we do because of our relationship and covenant with God then becomes the motivation of love. We love because He first loved us. We love others because he has shown us the greatest love. We don't walk around and hate, disparaging, and discouraging other people. Matter of fact, the Bible says that we, that we should come together as often as possible and to build each other up, right? It is a process of encouragement. It's a process of loving because we don't want anyone left out. You know, my kids don't always understand when I'm getting on to them. It's because I love you. I really want to see the best for them. And, it, and, and, and parents, I mean, you know, it's frustrating when you know the potential of your child and they give you half-hearted, eh. It's not because I don't care. It's not because I, you know, don't want you to have fun in life. It's nothing like that. It's because I just know that you are so smart, so intelligent, and have so many capabilities. And look, I, I feel that way. The, the reason that I used to love working in the school system was because I felt that way about every kid. Look, I get it that some people have different skill sets. Not everybody's a mathematician. Not everybody's, you know, a, an English major. My favorite, my favorite subject was lunch and, 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 and recess. I get it. But the fact is, is that, were you, doing, were you doing your best at it? Are you giving it your all? Because when you understand that the Lord loves you so much, that he wants to make sure that you're getting the best, that you're, you're, you're the head and not the tail, you're the beginning, not the end, you're, you're all that in a bag of chips, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. And we've been invited to sit at the table with God, to, to feast with Him, to, to sit at the King's table. And we don't, have to, we don't have to wonder, does He love us? Does He care? No, He cares because He's invited you to be there. 
And when we allow him to be the number one focus of our life, and, and, and we, we allow him to be the, the, the king of our home, the king of our work, and the king of, of our life, then, then everything revolves around our relationship with him. And he cares that much. So if we're focused on him, then we will find the source. We will then be able to commit ourselves, covenant with him, own the fact that, that he loves us and we love him, covenant with him to commit, to determine ourselves that we are his, to understand the motivation, but lastly, it is to serve. How do we show this love? How did he show us the greatest love? The Bible says that Jesus said, I didn't come in the world to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve, to give us an example of what love really looked like. Look, I, I get it. We, we are so, we live in one of the greatest countries in the world. We are blessed beyond measure. My kids were, as we were walking through all these uh, Smithsonian's and standing at the Capitol, we rarely ever heard any words in English. I mean, it was Spanish, it was German, it was French, it was Chinese. All these different languages were, were touring all of the beautiful sights. And, 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 and Jaden was like, Daddy, does anybody know English around here? And I said, you know what, son? We live in the greatest country in the world. And people want to come here just to see the history and, and know the, the values that would set in the foundations of our country. It's, it's awesome to think that all these people respect our country that much that they want to come and see what we have. It's awesome. But in the same process of realizing how much that we've earned, it's gone to our heads to think that everything is owed to us. We live in a society that 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 now has become so uh, careful here, okay? They want everything on a silver platter. Give me, give me, give me. Now, Kim and I was talking about as we was walking down the, the, the mall there in Washington that the economics teacher, her economics teacher, and I remember mine saying the same thing. There's no free lunches. There's no free lunches. There's no free education. Everything is paid for by something. Sadly, is is it's paid for by debt now, right? We're borrowing, borrowing because people are less willing to, to give. We're, we're, we used to be the most giving nation in the world, and, 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 and we really still are, but that mindset's becoming less and less. Is it Kennedy who said, Ask not what your country can give to you, but what you can give to your country. Where's that mindset at? Where's that, where's that understanding at? Was it, uncom it was uncommon valor? You remember that? Was a, common, was a common virtue. Uncommon valor was a common virtue. Where's that at now? Because we have made even our faith built on what it does for us instead of what we do 
for him. And, and there's no commitment, no, no surrender, no I'm in it to win it, I'm in it to the end. It's more now, well, if I don't like this church, I'll go to that church, I'll just do this and I'll hop around from this place to that place until I find one that serves me. And that is not, that is not, this is, this is not a retail market. It is the body of Christ. Yes, your banks are retail markets. Yes, the grocery stores are retail markets. But church is not a retail market. It is a place where people come to serve. It's a place where people come to commit themselves to a higher calling, to a purpose that God himself gives. And he's looking for people who are willing to submit and say, God, what can I do right here? Let me get grounded and planted with the body of Christ. Let me fulfill the purpose that you've called me. Let me Find my focus right here. Let me be committed. I, I really only got to the second page of notes, but that's all right. I, I really believe that we have to be careful as a body. We realize, look, we have so much potential right here. How many understand that? We have so much potential. You guys are phenomenal people. If you're visiting, man, this is a great group of people to be connected with. It's just awesome. And we need people to know what, who we are and what we do. We need that commitment and covenant with each other and with God. We need that sold out surrender to Jesus say Lord I'm in it completely because I believe there's friends, family, co-workers that need to be saved and I'm so glad that, that you've been inviting people to come but now let's get connected let's get connected so, so connected that we are walking life together we're walking that out because we need each other how many ever been lonely, needed somebody? How many have just ever struggled in life and things were low and you just needed somebody to, to hold on to? Every person that comes to this church to ask, you know, can, can we help, can, can this church help me with food or can this church help me with uh, lights or whatever it is? My, my number one question is, it's not, it's not you know, do you know, where, what church are you connected to? Because when people are connected, well, look, we're going to take care of you. Because charity begins in the household of faith. We do that. That's what we do. We care for each other. We, we try to reach and meet every need that's right here among us. And, and we are, man, we're reaching, well, we had 280-something People come through this past week or the week before last in Manna. We're reaching even outside of that. How many of those folks who come to Manna Outreach Ministries are connected to a church? Why not here? Why not? Why, why not be connected to this body? Why not be engaged? 
feeling of plan and purpose. Let's stay focused. Because if we lose focus, we lose momentum. God wants us to reach our community. He wants us to fulfill His plan. He wants us to teach others what we've learned. Father, thank You for being the source of our life. Thank You for loving us so much. Thank You for owning that relationship with us so much that you were willing to take it to the cross. Thank you, God, for for reaching out and making a covenant with us, for giving us understanding of, of the motivation of why you do what you do. But Lord, let us not take for granted the blessings that we have been given and the relationship we have. But Lord, let us reciprocate that love And Lord, let us take hold of the mission of serving others as you serve those you come in contact with. God, we praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. i got two things to do quickly. One, I have some great folks who have said we want to be a part of this body. We want to, let me tell you, membership is not stating that you're joining the body of Christ if you have accepted Jesus you are saved you have you have joined the body of Christ membership in a local church states I want to be committed to this local church I want this place to be where I grow some roots and that I produce fruit within this body that's what that's about and so you guys who've already talked to me about joining would you come got the whole family right there. So thankful for this family, for what they mean to this church. You guys are awesome. Even you, honey. <laughs> Love that hair, dude. Jealous. You should let your granddaddy have some. in presenting yourself for membership that you're assuming a solemn obligation and is expected that you will always be true to your promise and faithfully fulfill and discharge your obligation as a loyal member? Do you publicly confess and testify that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and full pardon of your sin? Are you willing to walk in the light of Scripture as it shines on your path? Are you willing to abide by and subscribe to the discipline of the Church of God as outlined by the Scripture and set forth in the minutes of the International General Assembly? Hunter's like, yeah, whatever that means. (laughs) I'm I'm picking on you, buddy. All right. You love it still? Are you willing to support the church with your attendance and temporal means to the best of your ability as the Lord prospers you? Do you agree to be subject to the counsel and admonition of those who are over you in the Lord? Um, 
Does anybody object? Good. I just made sure, right? Well, by authority that's given to me through the Church of God, I am super honored to welcome you as a member to this local congregation and excited about what the giftings that you're already pouring into that you can see us become more part of you. We love you guys so much. Welcome to this wonderful Alpha America Church of God. What we're going to do is um, after we do communion, make sure you come and love on these folks. Um, they, they're already a part. You know them well. They've been here longer than me. You know what I'm saying? They're like the food. I mean, uh, they're, uh, anyway, after service, you come and shake their hands, love on them a little bit, let them know how much you appreciate and welcome them into uh, the family and the body. We thank you so much. Well, as many of you saw last week, the communion was up front, and some got a little concerned that we missed it, thinking that, well, it's not important, or until you've been up here trying to direct a service, and there's a million and one things going through your mind. Did I remember this? Did I remember that? Is my pants zipped? Do my shoes match? You know, important things. Things can slip by, not because they're not important, but because we're human. So last week is our traditional week to do communion, and we, we missed that, but that's okay. God understands. So as our ushers are coming forward to serve the people, here, we, here at Alcoa Maryville, we do what we call an open communion, which means you do not have to be a member here. By taking communion with us, you're not joining our church, as you just saw. We do that differently. We're just following the example of Christ from Scripture. So we want any, every, everyone to participate. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, let us examine ourselves to see if we are worthy to do communion properly. And then he goes on to explain that, you know, this is the one ordinance that carries some very heavy weight with it because it says if you do it incorrectly, you bring judgment on yourself. So we take this very seriously, and let's pray over these elements. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you did for us, Lord, for giving your body and your blood for us. And Father, as we prepare to take communion, Lord, we pray that you will just remind us that we do this in remembrance of you until the day that you return. We remember your death. And Father, we ask that you bless these elements, Lord, and as they become a part of us, let us become a part of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Gentlemen, if you will serve the people. Uh, if you've never done communion with us, when you get this, you'll have two cups. The lower cup will have the wafer in it. The upper cup will have the juice. So once everyone is served, We'll stand together and we'll partake communion. Gentlemen, if you can play for us.
So if you clean me up inside, you thought I was to die for. So if you sacrifice your life so I can be free, so I can be whole, so I can tell everyone I know that I was worth saving. So if you Is there anyone that hasn't been served that wants to participate with us? Sure, we got everybody. If you'll stand with me. Referencing back to 1 Corinthians 11, Paul's, Paul reminds the people, he's like, you know, I wasn't there that night, but I heard about some things. None of us was there the night that Christ was betrayed, but we heard some things. And Paul reminded them then, as we do now, that on the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken. Let us receive. cup after serve after supper and he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember Christ. Father, this morning, we remember you. We remember the sacrifice that you made. And Lord, we may never understand the level of that sacrifice. That God himself, the creator of the universe, stepped down out of heaven and became one of us to show us the way back to you. And then you gave yourself. You didn't have to. You could have spoken a word and just changed the universe. But you chose to die on a cross so that somebody like me could come back into relationship with you. God, help us never to forget that. And to always remember your sacrifice. And we thank you for allowing us to, for just a brief moment in a symbolic way, to join you in your death. Don't forget Sunday Night Grow classes going on tonight. Find a class, get involved. You will enjoy it. Uh, your cups, if you can pass those to the middle. The gentleman will be walking around with some buckets. You can drop those in. Go have a great day. Be blessed. Spend some time with friends and family. Let them know how much you love them. <laughs>